Are you ready? Because it's time to go lead everything. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Go Lead Everything podcast. I'm so excited today for my special guest, the unconventional leader herself, Heather Parody. Hi. How are you, Heather? I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. For sure. Now, Heather and I really don't know each other. We actually met through a mutual friend and mentor, Tony Watley of the 365 Driven Society, founder of the 365 Driven, and really got connected with Heather on a meet and greet. And she's the inspiration and one of the reasons why I chose to finally start the Go Lead Everything podcast. So I'm super grateful. Been listening to Heather's podcast, Unconventional Leader, so much value, so much cool things you're doing there. So thank you and congratulations on all your success and everything. I appreciate it, but I want to acknowledge you for taking action because we all have the knowledge at our fingertips, YouTube, Google, we know what to do, but very few people actually take action and do it and you did it. So congratulations to you. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. So I want to know first off, listening to some of your old podcasts, talked about Iron Man. I know you're an avid runner. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about some of the physical, mental challenges with that, and how does that impact you from a leadership perspective? Sure. Well, running is actually uh, second nature to me. I kind of discovered it uh, through just kind of handling anxiety. I ran a lot as a teenager to kind of overcome some anxiety that I was going through, and running is literally like a a chemical release. Something happens with me. I mean, I I start getting kind of cranky and weird. I go out and run, I come back and I'm, I'm a sunshine. I love it. You know, it's, it just flips something in my brain. Uh, so that's more of a mental health thing. I enjoy running. I love the podcast. I love sweating. I love the endurance. Uh, but it's been like a safety net for me. So a couple of years ago I was out running with a friend and she mentioned, Hey, I'm going to do an Ironman. And immediately my, my response to her was, well, I could never do that because I don't know how to swim and I'm afraid of water. And immediately when I said that, I like challenged myself. I was like, I just said I couldn't do something. Oh crap. Now I have to go do it. So she was running in September. I think it was maybe April that we had this conversation. Well, she signed up and I signed up. She dropped out. I learned how to swim for the race and, and did it. And it was terrible and it was messy and it was it was like I literally crawled like it was it was it was pathetic but uh, I'm so grateful because again running's easy for me and I think we get in these comfort zones where you know things that other people find difficult we're like oh well you know that's easy for me well Jack you know you've got to challenge yourself every day and not measure yourself against other people but measure yourself against yourself and when you find yourself making statements like I could never do that or blah 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 and having those limiting beliefs like call yourself out on it I think you'll really surprise yourself what you're capable of because so much of it is a mental block and for me I don't I didn't enjoy the Ironman it wasn't like oh this is a lot of fun like swimming with alligators and biking 58 miles and running a half marathon like that was so much fun but the mental uh the, the the gift of like wow i can overcome blocks i can overcome fears i couldn't swim across a swimming pool when i started um the mind is so powerful like yeah i can translate into relationships business not just fitness yeah my i'm a baseball guy i play college baseball the athletics background is huge for my mentality and i took i took it for granted actually because 
I didn't realize how doing all those things that seemed unreasonable or like, you know, you got to get up at 6am and do your lift and, you know, crazy workouts and things that I'm like, how is this even like making me a better baseball player necessarily? But it's, it's really just all about the mental game. It's about being able to overcome those things. And honestly, going into the work world after doing some of those physical things, everything else in life seems easy. That's the truth, man. For sure. For sure. I'm definitely not a good swimmer either. So kudos to you. My wife actually signed us up for the MS 150 this year. Our company does the MS 150. Are you familiar with that? Uh-uh, what is that? It's the bike MS uh, multiple sclerosis benefit. There's a 150 mile bike race from, it used to be from Houston to Austin, but I think they, uh, they changed it. So Austin and Houston could both do it and they'd like meet in the middle. Wow. And so we signed up for that and uh, it got canceled because of COVID. Which are you actually, bikers? Like, do you bike? We, we aren't. We had to go buy bikes. I didn't know what investment there was going to be for that. But Oh, uh, it's a huge investment. Oh and I, I, the biking, I kind of overlooked because I was like, oh, you know, a bicycle. I can bike. You know what I mean? Exactly. It, like when I got off the bike, it was, it was just 50 because I did the half Ironman. Uh, it was one mile swim, 56, 58 mile bike ride, and then a half marathon, 70 miles together. I got off the bike and I was like, I'm good. I'm good. And when I got off the bike, I literally fell straight over. <laughs> 58's a lot. It's 58 is a lot. Yeah. The hardest part for me is the seat. I can't sit just sitting on a bike seat for that long is ugh, yep. absolute yep. craziness. So you were homeschooled for a time. I was yeah, homeschooled for a time. Everywhere. Were you? I was. Yeah. I was, I was moving around a lot and I spent two years, uh, second grade to fourth grade homeschooled. So it was only for a short period. It was great. My, um, we actually ended up getting ahead of, so I had a very awesome driven mother. You were a smart homeschool kid. I I used to not like you guys. (laughs) Oh man. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we had a really great mother who was a, she was a music teacher. So she had an education background and, uh, she did a great job of buying some nice materials and stuff for us. So we actually got ahead of, of a lot of the even private school kids, um, but uh, what was your experience like being homeschooled? I want to I want to understand that a little bit better and how that shaped you because it sounds like you had a very different homeschool experience. Yeah, so opposite of that, you know what I mean? Like I I knew you guys those those homeschool kids who were like you know really smart and well put together and ahead and taking college courses at twelve. Like I, I think that's awesome and I think homeschooling. Um, good good kudos to your mom. She sounds amazing. I think it's such an amazing opportunity. Uh, to do things really well with your kids and build great relationships and I mean further their education I mean my husband he was homeschooled as well and he had a completely different experience as me so I tease him too Um, for me there was a lot of mental health issues in my family and um, broken home and all of that stuff so really my education was swept under the rug and so it was it wasn't that I had a homeschool experience I didn't have a schooling experience (laughs) past about a seventh grade or so Um, and then even up to seventh grade, it was just half-assed. It was uh, very minimal. So growing up with that, there was just a huge inferiority complex with me and, um, you know, feeling stupid, feeling um, just very ashamed around my education because I just, I felt like there was always like this, this, you know, I was going to get found out that I hadn't finished certain grades. Like people were going to walk around with like a math book and test me on stuff. But I, I, it really limited me to think about like what I was capable of doing after, um, high school, quote, quote, high school, because, 
you know, we're taught that there's one path, that there's the academic path and the corporate ladder and all of that stuff. And then if you don't achieve these certain steps that you're not going to be quote successful. So it was never really in the cards for me, even thinking about the term success or making money or anything like that, because I was not educated, which means I calculated in not my brain that I would never go to college, that I would never get a degree, which means I would never get a good job and never, you know, do whatever, all the things that Americans prize so much. Luckily, I kind of, you know, again, with Iron Man, you know, that same mentality beat all that bull crap because I realized that was all a limitation in my own mind, um, accomplished some of those things, but still ended up going the unconventional path because the beautiful, the beautiful thing about 2020 right now and the freedom that we have, I'm so grateful for is that you can, uh, carve your own path, carve your own way. And you're not limited by your quote limitations, I guess. What was the catalyst? Was there an event because I'm so curious. I, I actually kind of have a, a fear of looking stupid as well, even though I'm from a totally different background. Like it's, it's this kind of subconscious thing. Like I just don't like to, to feel stupid. Yeah. And um, people talk about tripping on the street and looking around to see if anybody saw you. Like that's, that's a, a fear that I've dealt with. Was there something in your life that pushed you over the edge to say, you know what, I'm over this insecurity and I'm going to put myself out there you know, no, you rebranded your podcast, Unconventional Leaders, like July 2018-ish. Like, when did you start that podcast and what was that transition like for you to begin really putting yourself out there? Well, I don't, I still struggle with that insecurity. It's still with me and I'm, I don't know if it ever goes away. I think what I'm learning to do right now is try to shift that energy into something more productive, like, uh, you know, navigate, like, rallying for and championing those who have felt the same as me. I, I still deal with that. Um, I, I, I really relate to you, the whole feeling of inferiority, because not only was there the education piece, but also too, we grew up without money and moved around a lot and didn't have uh, friends. Literally the first few friends that I even remember getting, I was like a teenager and I was incredibly awkward. Uh, like all the stereotypical homeschool stuff that you laugh about was my reality. And uh, I, very, I lived a very isolated life. Um, I luckily got involved in a church community and later on introduced into personal development, which kind of really saved me. That's why I'm really passionate about personal development is it opened up my mind to the possibility that um, I wasn't a victim to my circumstances and that I had some control. That's why I've dedicated my whole life to this topic because it, like I said, it pulled me out. Uh, starting the podcast was really difficult and I've shared this multiple times, but um, you know, I, I didn't really want you people to hear it. I was embarrassed about it. I wanted to quote, use my voice in some way, share my message, but then equally I was also terrified of exposing myself and what would people think of this and would they make fun of me? And I was bullied really heavily as well. Um, anytime I did get out, you know, I, I have a lot of trauma with that. So even as a grown woman, I, I struggled with that. There's still times where I, 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 I see myself muting and not being as fully present and engaged and full as I want to be. Someone asked me their day, like, how are you so confident? I'm like, I'm not like, I, I, I've learned how to show up with presence, uh, despite my insecurity, not that it's still not there. Yeah. I think that's what people overlook about good leaders all the time is that they're, they're on a lonely Island. Yeah. 
And people think that they're like this super confident, strong force that never deals with any of the stuff normal people deal with. And it's like, no, that's yeah. not the case at all. Yeah. You know, they, they totally deal with all these things. They learn how to take action in the midst of it. Kind of like what I was saying to you at the very beginning. Right. Congratulations to you for just taking the action because literally I, I am convinced that's the only thing that separates quote high achieving people and those who aren't some move against resistance and push forward anyway. Mm-hmm. And others allow that resistance completely knock them over. Right. I totally agree with you. Totally agree. Your faith background you said you got introduced to that not too long ago. And how is, how is, how is your view on, on leadership shaped by your faith? Um, it's, I was introduced to that as a, as a teenager, I got involved in uh, youth groups and really I, I feel I'm so indebted. I had, I'm 33 now and my youth pastor from when I was 16 years old dropped by the other day and I hadn't seen him in years and he was a lot shorter than I remembered, but I, I just wanted to hug him and thank him because he kind of represented a, a figure in my life I didn't have at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, my my faith is a little, I want to say jaded, but a lot different, unconventional than most people. Uh, I went to ministry school right after high school because, again, I didn't think I could go to college because of my academic background. And so I spent two years in full-time ministry. We traveled all over the United States. I was preaching at like 20 years old in different churches and on the streets. We did all kinds of ministry from street ministry to private schools to the trash cans and the lids and the skids. I mean, all the, all that, all that, you know, cheesy stuff. And I loved it. Um, a few years, I started a nonprofit when I was in my mid twenties for women in uh, sex trafficking and sexual exploitation. That was a ministry that we did. So it's been a heavy part of my life for probably, I guess the past 15 years or so. Um, recently over the past two to three years, I've really been, you know, some people call it a deconstruction and I don't really like that term as much because it sounds like something's falling away and something has, but I've been trying to reconstruct a lot of my faith, I guess, about what it really looks like. I, I guess I've kind of seen God as a little bit more rigid, kind of like what you were explaining with leaders about how they're here and we're here and there's some dissonance. And that's kind of how I always viewed any kind of authority and leadership and especially God. And over the past few years, through a series of events and connecting more with people and, and their brokenness, really understanding that leadership, that God, that the universe, that love, that divine is actually right beside us and with us, as opposed to something that is hierarchical, hierarchical, that's a hard word, and uh, out of our reach, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. A lot of sense. I, I heard in one of your podcasts talking a lot about the servant mentality, and it sounds like you've done a lot of service in your past. So thank you for all that. And and uh, that nonprofit sounds like a really, really cool thing that you started. Um, really curious. Have you ever heard that leaders don't create followers, they create other leaders? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. What are, What are your thoughts on that phrase? Does that resonate with you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you got to think about if you are really in the game of leadership and impact, you're always going to be asking yourself, how can I make this duplicatable? How can this work be taught and duplicated? Because if you're in it for the impact, you're going to want it to scale beyond you. And when we start managing things and controlling things, that's where our impact stops with us. 
which is a very prideful way to live, which all of us, myself included, has to check ourselves on. But when we're really focused on service and other people, it's always going to be about duplication, which requires leaders to step out of the way and allow other people to lead because otherwise impact is limited because we mm. only have so much time. We only have so much energy, but if we can teach and duplicate what we're doing to other people and give them the freedom to do it and do it better than us. <laughs> and wow, what an impact can we make? Are you a control freak? I am on things I enjoy doing Okay. on things that I don't. Um, I don't care. I hate details. So if you want to start talking about details and stuff, I'm like, just make a decision and just I, I, details just drive me absolutely bonkers. Uh, but big picture stuff. Absolutely. I have to really, really, uh, check myself on that. What, when you began duplicating yourself and really thinking about that, what was the biggest challenge for you? And what were those first steps where you started to take steps to, to do that? Hmm. Cause I'll, I'm struggling, I'm struggling with that right now is, is understanding yeah. kind of like, where do I let go certain yeah. things and, and what are those spots? Yeah. Well, I would say I am at the very beginning stages of all of this. I'm just now starting to, you know, with unconventional leaders and the brand and all of that, like have other leaders come up underneath it and lead things and do stuff. And I really appreciate being in Tony's group because it's made me start thinking a lot about like, building something to sell and not that I ever have intentions to sell unconventional leaders or move out of it. But if you're not building like an entity outside of yourself, you're, you're chained to it. And I think that's a, such an interesting thought that I never really considered prior. Um, I've been asking a lot of questions lately about interest and skill. Like what are you really good at and what do you really like and figuring out how to allow people to shine in those areas um, I believe just from a spiritual standpoint that we're all uniquely made. And so the fact that you are good at this is an indication to me, you're supposed to do that in some capacity. And again, that's a little spiritual, but that's just the way I believe. So I've been asking, you know, leaders in our community, like, what do you, what is, what is your superpower? What do you really love doing? What are you creative with? And how would you like to express that? And just allowing freedom there. Um, so I'm a very, I'm in the exploration stage of all of it. I have not mastered it. I'm learning it. Um, yeah. I'm in the same boat, same boat. I, uh, you developed a course on goal setting <laughs> and you tell a great story in your, in one of your podcasts. I love your weekly parody by the way. And the, uh, fidget Friday is, is one of my favorite, favorite things. I love the short, like here's a quick thought to stew on and not just this big, long, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you saying that because that's my personality is I love short, concise. And when people talk and talk and talk, it drives me nuts. But I've had so many people say like, oh, I wish you'd have like these one, two hour episodes. And I'm like, I don't listen to one or two hour episodes. Yeah. You know? Everybody's different. Yeah. It yeah. sounds like, sounds like we're alike in that respect. I like quick and to the point, but um, you did a course on goal setting. You learned some lessons about rolling things out, new things like that. But I am curious What's some advice on goal setting? What, what are the biggest mistakes you see people making when they go about their goal setting? Hmm. Man, there's so many. Having a measurable goal and looking at your numbers at the very beginning 
is so important. You know, we're taught measurable goals and I think people get that, but in order to have a measurable goal and start making progress on it, you have to look at your current numbers and be very diligent in measuring. And that takes a lot of self-awareness and it's painful. So let me give you just a very practical example. Mm -hmm. I like to eat a lot of food. I like to drink. I like all these things. My husband's in fitness and it's annoying. Okay. So he does all the macros and micros and I don't even know all that means. And I just am annoyed by it. Right. So while he's eating his salad, chicken, all that, I'm like, let's have margaritas tonight. (laughs) However, summer is coming and I'm like, I really, you know, I, we're going to go on a cruise, you know, knock on wood, COVID-19, whatever. Like I've, I've noticed myself like gaining some weight over, over past few weeks. And so I can have a measurable goal that, Hey, I want to drop, you know, five pounds or whatever over the next couple months. But unless I step on the scale and acknowledge where I'm at right now, until I pull out this freaking app that I absolutely hate called my fitness pal, which is the oh, worst geez. thing in the world. <laughs> I hate that thing because you it. think you're doing good until you type those numbers in like <laughs> that awareness sucks. Awareness is a really crappy thing because you can't allow it to disappoint you and to frustrate you and annoy you, but it's impossible to make like real tangible progress. Another example, budgeting, Brian and I were saving money right now through this whole experience. Cause you know, we don't have a kid in daycare right now and spending 500 bucks on that. And you know, some others, you know, no, no target runs, all this stuff. So we sat down and looked at the numbers of our budget and delegated what each dollar is going to. But again, that awareness isn't fun because you have to acknowledge where you may have quote failed before. And I think that's what keeps people back in goals is because they beat themselves up. Like I'm so far from where I want to be. You know what I mean? Without just looking at it and being like, dude, we all have our thing. You know what I mean? And the only way to get better at something is to get a little bit messier with it and to be embarrassed a little bit and be a beginner a little bit and have to look at that number you don't want to look at. But if you want it bad enough, we're going to look at the truth and the reality of where we're at. Yeah, I think that's great. When, when and how old were you when you developed your first budget? Um, you that young or is that recent? Um, I, I budgeted stuff when I was in my early 20s, but I wasn't near as rigid as we are right now. You know, the more that you get this whole personal development leadership thing, dude, it's a drug. Like you just, you think you're all like on top of your stuff and then you get more rigid and more crazy. And then finally you're hanging out with regular people and they think you're bonkers, you know? So, I mean, like I did like the normal people budget, you know, through my twenties and all of that, but, um, we've been getting way more rigid and, um, intentional with trying, you know, every dollar that comes in and awareness of what's coming in and out. Sure. I never had a budget until I got married at, uh, shoot 29. So yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good thing to do to know and at least know where you're at. Too many people, I totally agree. They don't know even where they're at today to even begin to know where they'd want to go. And until you have that awareness, then, then you're going to struggle with that. Yeah. You mentioned on, on one of your recent shows that pressure accelerates who we are. And I'm curious cause I, I have a perspective on this and I want to know your thoughts. Do you think it's a self-awareness and a self-control issue if, for whatever reason, pressure causes us to, to kind of change who we are? Or do you think there's some like internal like who we are that's, that's always going to come out, no matter how self-aware or, or uh, disciplined, I guess, we are? 
Give me some more thoughts about that. Give me like an example. Maybe. I know it's kind of an odd one. So if we're feeling external pressures and, and that's going to cause us to react maybe in a different way than we normally would without those pressures, one perspective I have would be that, well, you need to become more self-aware. And, and Ed Milet talks about this. He talks about uh, uh, Richard Cabeza. Have you heard of this? Mm-mm. He talks about this guy inside him. He calls him Richard Cabeza, which is basically dickhead. Um, and when he see when he feels that guy or something, you know, he has accountability people help him see that, hey, you know, right now, Ed, you're not being the real Ed Milet that you want to be. You're not being that person that you want to be. You're you're acting like some other person right now, maybe because some of those external pressures are coming or, or whatever. But um, just give us some thoughts, I guess, on self-awareness and self-control and, and some of the, the things you do to become more self-aware. Yeah. What a, you know, we could probably sit on that for two hours because then you start getting into like, you know, philosophical questions about, you know, like the dark side of us. And if there's, you know, something that we ever fully ever overcome or if we learn to control it or whatever, that's a really crazy conversation that I'm really honestly don't know what I believe with all of that. Yeah. All I know is that we have these muscles internally where we can develop them and use them strategically during times like this, where when most people allow pressure and the unknown to destroy them and not just destroy them, but think about the, the ripple effect that that has on their families and their influence and all of that. Because people think, Oh, you know, they're just like freaking out and they think it's all about them. I'm like, do you understand you're affecting the energy of everyone around you and that we have got to take ownership of what is coming out of our mouths and the presence that we carry, especially as leaders who have platforms um, to be intentional that, yeah, there might be some battling and internal stuff that I might be afraid, but I'm going to take ownership of this and realize that um, what I spew out has a ripple effect. And so I think what I was talking about in that podcast and you ask phenomenal questions, like you should be podcasting. I'm so glad that you are, um, is when you notice that things are spilling out of you, don't just take them at face value that this is how you feel, but understand that that's coming from somewhere and the origin of it was probably something way further back. Cause it's interesting to me how people are, finding fear in different ways. And I'm always curious. I'm like, why are you specifically afraid about dying? When Jan over here, she's afraid about going bankrupt. Mm -hmm. Like we are, our fears random or is that already put inside of us? We were already had a wound there about that. And it's just putting pressure and picking at it and it's spilling out. So are these opportunities for us to address those fears of abandonment or um, death or uh, poverty, whatever those fears are. Like, is that random? I don't know. I heard a perspective, you know, Jordan Peterson, Mm -hmm. Um, mixed reviews on Jordan, but I like some of his stuff. And he was talking a lot about how, if you still get emotional about something that's like less, that's more than 18 months that happened to you more than 18 months ago, then you haven't like dealt with it and just internalized it. And, um, I think yeah. too, I've started seeing in my life, like this podcast thing, I've been thinking about podcasts forever. And so I try to think, and, and you were the catalyst to get me to actually start it. But I think back, like you were saying, these things started years and years ago. And, and 
one of the things I'm real passionate about right now is just getting content daily and getting in a daily habit of soaking up, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a book, whether it's whatever. And who knows, maybe five years from now, it'll be that right time for it to resonate with you and, and you'll be ready to take action with it. But if you don't start, you're never going to be ready. That's it. And I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, the, the, the confidence that you see in other people and you're like, oh, you know, like we were talking about earlier, oh, they're a leader. They just have it all together. Blah, 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 blah. It is a discipline to get your mind in this space where you can show up daily and provide value and uh, overcome your own internal fears and all that. And it requires you to be just almost obsessive over, you know, putting in the right content and listening to pod. You almost have to rewire your brain. I kind of call it brainwashing in a very good way. Rewire your brain because we're bent towards survival and we're bent towards comfort. And for us to go against all of that, whether it's through fitness or putting our voice out there or whatever, it takes intentional training of our minds to be in that place. I love music. But like Tony says, I listen to podcasts constantly. I'm doing my hair. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm driving. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm running. You know what I'm doing? Like it's annoying, but I have to do that. Otherwise I would psych myself out all the time for all the stuff that I'm doing because it doesn't come natural for me. I was a, I was an afraid uh, person. I didn't look people in the eyes when I was a teenager. I wouldn't have looked at you right now. Mm -hmm. I didn't speak up. I was terrified. Mm -hmm. I was so insecure. Um, I was terrified of people. This wow. has been a skill that I've learned. Yeah. Well, you've learned it well. And your podcast music rocks, by the way. I, I always get pumped when I'm, I hear your podcast coming on. That um, was my cousin made that. That was listeners from the That's show. Awesome. I wrote the script and listeners from the show sent in their clips and he mixed that. And when I first heard it, I was out running and I was like, okay, okay, we can do yeah. this. I like this. This is good. That's awesome. <laughs> so you've got a beautiful family, your wife, mother, how has all this leadership stuff helped you in your philosophy on parenting, for instance? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've had people ask me before, you know, don't you, don't you think you should pursue all this when the girls are a little older and, you know, you know, there's the shame of not, you know, pursuing goals while you have children, especially as a woman. I don't know if you guys deal with that or not, but I know, if, you know, being a woman, it's kind of the assumption that I would, uh, be bent towards one way and not have goals outside of my kids. Uh, my philosophy is that being a role model of what a powerful woman looks like and what strength looks like and what running after your goals looks like is one of the best things that I can do for my daughters. And I don't really care <laughs> if they want to, you know, be a leader one day, start anything, if they want to knit and have a Pinterest you know, how home and homeschool and like, I don't really care what they do, what, whatever it is. I just want them to have internal strength and a model of what it looks like. Cause I never had that. Um, also too, it, I'm, I'm proud to facilitate these conversations because my daughter, she's seven and dude, she, she says some heavy stuff. She started her own podcast, which we're not oh, wow. airing right now, but she came up to me one day and she said, mom, I want to create something. And I was like, okay, well, what do you want to create? She goes, I have a, I have a show. I want to give a show, but just don't put it on the internet. And I'm like, okay, every Sunday she comes in here and she talks about responsibility and respect and kindness oh, wow. and honesty. And, um, I'm so proud of that because I know she hears me and her dad talk about it. And we have the responsibility as parents to not have a 
life and goals outside of our kids, but have it with them. Um, again, I didn't have that and I want to, I want to be that for them. And I really hope that I'm right. And they don't end up in therapy one day and hate me because I'm just guessing. I don't know what it's like <laughs> to do this right. I'm just guessing. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, and, and I want to say too, they've, they've really taught me, um, how simple leadership is because I think I understand it. And I've talked to all these super successful people and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then Lucy, my daughter, a kid was mean to her the other day and really mean. And the next day she says, well, I want to go play with her. And I said, well, Lucy, what about, what did she, what, don't you remember the fight and what she said? And I'm still hurt about it. I'm 33 and I'm still, I'm about to cry over this. And she goes, but mom, I forgave her. Like I forgave her. And I'm like, Oh, there's leadership. Yeah. Seven years old. She's, she's teaching me, you know? Yeah. I, I come from a Christian perspective and I see, you know, from that leadership perspective, the, the parent, the father, you know, f- we're, we're children of our father and we get to be parents and, and fathers of our own households. And so I, th- I really think that's like the perfect model of what leadership really is. It's sacrifice, it's forgiveness, it's, it's all those things. It's giving, you know, yeah. giving of yourself to raise up others yeah. is really what it's all about. Yeah. You mentioned a while back in, in one of your podcast episodes that you, when you were training for the uh, Ironman, you realized all the bumps in the road and how finding that long straight road, how important it is to keep the speed you really need to move where you need to go. And I'm curious. You remember a podcast I didn't even remember I had. Like I completely forgot about that one. Wow. I did my research. You did well, yeah. All how do you keep your movement? What, what do you do to make sure that you're always moving forward toward where you want to go? I think having a singular goal and focus as much as you can. And that's really hard for somebody who's multi-passionate, multifaceted like I am. Cause I'm like, I love everything. And if you like come up to me and you're like, Hey Heather, we should start this you know, virtual dance team business and blah, blah, blah. I'll be like, dude, I'm on it. And I'll be, ha- I'll be writing out a logo. And just, <laughs> it's really hard for me not to get distracted because I think of possibility and creativity and dreams and all that. Um, but in order to really get speed and which is this analogy that I was using in the show, if I do remember, right, is, you know, when you're training for something, I noticed that in order for my time to be what I wanted it to be, I needed to eliminate as many turns as possible so I could really pick up speed and momentum because a straight line, it's a lot easier to pick up obviously that speed because you slow down when you turn. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a hard discipline. I have to really remember that if God put, I I believe if God put a, a gift and a desire in you, I think even if it may not be for right now, it's a, a shadow of something to come. And so kind of resting in that, that, you know, I might have 50 ideas for different things and I don't have to panic that they're not going to all happen right now, but understand they will happen in the right time, which is the worst. I hate that sermon, seed time and harvest. I hate that thing. It's so hard for me because I'm like, oh, I don't want to plant and wait. Like that's the worst, but it's freaking true. It is. So trying to focus on one thing at a time, like, you know, I had like a launch this, this, um, this past month was something and there's, there's something else I'm really wanting to work on and not being able to work on both those projects simultaneously. Like that was really hard for me, 
because I want to take it all on. But what ends up happening is then I end up getting really grumpy and I snap at my kids and my husband and I look crazy because I have the bun and it's just nuts. So, and then I don't make as much progress as I wanted to. I end up stopping my own growth. So, um, yeah, trying, trying to be singularly focused. Yeah. That's hard. That's hard. I think, especially for any high capacity individuals, they have a ton going on and they like doing a lot. And it's really hard, especially for me too, to, to kind of narrow in on where, where am I really going? Yep. Um, yep. What all do you got going on right now? Tell our listeners what the unconventional leaders are doing and, and what you got going on. Sure. So right now we're in a, we have such an opportunity as leaders with, uh, if you're listening to this during COVID-19 or really even if you listen to this when that's over and there, there's any kind of tragedy or the world seems to stop, there's an opportunity for leaders to really connect and build tribe and community. And that's what I've been really focused on over the past month and will continue to do so during this because right now people need a sense of safety and security. And so those of us who have platforms we have the opportunity to create that. Um, we're doing a lot more coffee chats. We do coffee chats every day. Well, Monday through Friday in our group, which is essentially what it sounds like. You grab a cup of coffee, you meet on zoom and we've been having like two hour conversations on there. It's nuts. Like people just need to talk. Um, putting out more podcasts, sharing more, having a one live more. I've just been trying to be more intentional with showing up because people really need um, some hope right now. And if you have hope to give, like don't overjudge yourself, freaking hit that live button on your phone, hit publish on your podcast. Like you've done share your message because the world desperately needs people who carry hope and light in them. Um, and it doesn't matter if it's messy, just give it. Yeah. I love that. I love the, uh, Fidget Friday, and we, we're going to do this episode as a fidget, by the way. No editing. Ooh, good. We'll put it up. It'll be nice and, nice and gritty. <laughs> but, uh, well, Heather, anything else you'd like to share with the audience? Any, any broader thoughts on leadership? How did you focus on leadership specifically? Mm. What, was, what was it that made this unconventional leader's idea stick in your head? There was this, I was a therapist um, working at a um, a youth home. And there was this girl and she was, she wasn't very nice. She, um, she was one of those like really short, tiny little people who you were afraid of, even though she was a teenager, uh, a lot of bark dude. And every time I would come to that, to the home, they'd be like, Oh, this girl's in trouble again. So she'd always be in the office. And I remember one time just hanging out with her and I was just like, what do you want to do one day? You know, with your life, she's like, I'm going to be a rapper. And so I was like, well, can you wrap something for me? And she did. And, you know, I'm white and I have no rhythm, but I was like, that's pretty good. You know, like I, I'm not the best judge of it, but you're, you know, you have some talent. She's like, yeah. And someone, you know, another therapist had kind of under the rug told me, she's like, you know, our goal with her is to keep her out of jail, you know? Um, and it really bothered me because I thought about how much trouble she got into because she was leading these other girls into doing things that they weren't supposed to and how she had this natural gift for uh, rapping and had this energy and this presence and no one saw her as a leader. They heard their goal for her was just to keep her out of jail. Like she had already been pinned for what good she was for society. And at the same time, you know, I'm reading all these personal development books and reading people who have been through complete hell and have built great things and have influenced so many people, not 
you know, despite of their pain, but because of their pain and what they've been through, they've been able to build. And I was thinking, man, I wish people like her, you know, could have something that they felt represented by, you know, not the pretty leaders, the ones that, you know, are well put together in the suits and boardrooms and all that. And not that there's anything wrong with it, but there's not a lot of talk about unconventional leadership, about influence and making a difference in this world. And you don't have to look a certain way and you don't have to be in a boardroom. You don't have to go this conventional path. You can lead in your own way. Uh, I just wanted to tell those stories. Modeling is a really important concept in psychology. Like we need to see people who look like us and have been through what we've been through um, in order to feel a sense of hope. Like it's easy for me to sit here and talk about stuff, but if you don't know a little bit of my journey, my struggle, it's hard to connect with me, you know? So that was the, the premise of unconventional leaders. And plus go to iTunes and put in leaders you see a whole bunch of people who look exactly the same way. You don't see a lot of diversity in that. And so I wanted to, I wanted to bring that to the table. I love that. So important to go lead wherever you are in whatever station of life. Everybody always needs leadership. I think we sit in these meetings and we sit in groups of people and kind of like when you have a skill that you're good at and that may be a calling for you. I think when we're sitting in those situations and we have something inside of us, you know, someone needs to say this, or, or I need to say that. I think that's just your calling. Just that's God telling you, Hey, you know, you need to be speaking up and leading in these situations. And yep. so I love that. I love the premise. Your show's awesome. Appreciate everything you're doing. You're a rock star. Thank you for coming on the show today. And, uh, I have one more tell, thing tell to us say. where to find you. Well, I have something very important to say. Don't worry about where to find me. I want you, if you're listening to this podcast to subscribe and leave him a review, five stars, and share with a friend. We need more people out here putting out this kind of content. And the fact that you are, I want to help spread that. So if you're listening to this, screenshot it, share it with a friend, and leave a review for him so other people can find it because this is important work. You rock, Heather. If you enjoyed today's show, give it a five-star rating. Follow, subscribe, and head on over to GoLeadEverything.com to learn more about the Go Lead Everything movement. For more great content daily, follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at RealPhilSwanson, Facebook and LinkedIn at PhilipSwanson, and for videos of these episodes and other great video content daily, subscribe to the Philip Swanson channel on YouTube. That's Philip with one L like the Bible. Now go lead everything.